where are you from? I, I mean, not where you know that you are from. Like, uh, where are you from? Stretching a few generations back. This is now tell us, and I'm your host, Anthony Mwerore. At now tell us, we have guests come and tell us stories. They come and inspire us. They come and educate us on a subject that they are passionate about. And always, we are having a great time because we have great guests. Today we have a guest. <laughs> His name is a bit long. Is Richard Kweku Azeagu. Uh, the last part, Akinyemi. It's a quite a long name, but he's gonna tell us why such a long name. <laughs> he's coming to tell us about tracing your ancestral roots. So we're gonna bring him here to tell us why should we, how important it is, and what he's doing to help people because uh, he's got some experience in that. And I won't take one more minute. I'm just going to invite you to come with me to go and meet Richard. But before, before that, please remember to share this episode with all your friends. If you have a question, ask. We will try to answer it to the level that we can. And if it's with the ancestral thing, then Richard is going to answer that, be rest assured. And if you have any comment to make, we love feedback. We appreciate you taking your time being with us here. Even if you're watching the recorded version or listening to the recorded version, we appreciate you. And now, please join me as we go together to meet our guest today, Richard. Here we go. Hello, Richard. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Good to see you here. Good to see you as well. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Yes, you're most welcome, and we are honored to have you. And uh, first and foremost, let me start by reading your name again. Richard Kweku Aziagu Akinyami. That's a long name. <laughs> it is a long name. Yeah. Uh, where are you right now? I am in Ghana. I, I, I'm, I decided to move to Ghana when we had some challenges with uh, my wife's getting her uh, visa for the U.S. So I don't know if you might have listeners that know about it, but it's a they tell you you have to have an interview. Even if you're a legal U.S. citizen and you get married to someone, they still have to have an interview. And the interviews are like almost a year away, you know, so, mm. so many months away mm -hmm. when you uh have an interview. So we decided to come to Ghana and we have just loved that. The Ghanaian people are so friendly, so warm. And of course, I found out with my DNA that on my mother's side, I'm of the Fanti people of Ghana. So I'm, I'm here where my people are. Wow. So you're an, a U.S. citizen born there and raised there. Yes. 
Okay, that's interesting. And uh, now you are in Ghana and you look Ghana. I love your dress, uh, your shirt, uh, the lion. And I love okay. your heart too. You, you, you're looking Ghana, really. <laughs> well, thank you. But the Ghanaians would tell you this looks Nigerian because this is actually Nigerian Igbo okay. attire. The, uh, this is the Ishiagu. It's the lion's head cloth that is particular to the Igbo people mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Um, and, you know, this is this. So this is not Ghanaian dress. This is actually Nigerian dress. Uh, I have to get some Ghanaian, the, the way that they wear their native attire. Uh, so I need one of my Ghanaian friends to, to help me with that because I had a lot of Nigerians to help me to acclimate to that culture. And uh, some of my friends here, I'm going to have to tell them that, hey, you guys got to help me to get caught up on, on the Fanti culture in Ghana. No, oh, I must be forgiven for that because I haven't been to Ghana or Nigeria. So oh, see, I, now you have to come. You have to, you must come. And when you know when you come, don't for just don't just go to Accra and Cape Coast, but also include Kumasi because a lot of people don't know that Kumasi actually is the cultural hub of Ghana. Mm -hmm. It is where the Ashanti Hennies, the Ashanti Kings, every six weeks they do they do a cultural display that they they normally do, and it, it is full of rich cultural clothing and food, and it's just fantastic. Wow. Now, it's, it appears to us that you have a rich knowledge of that, not just for the fact that you are there, but uh, even from us uh, saying that we are going to introduce the people to their ancestral background. Mm -hmm. How did this all start? Where Now you are in the U.S. and, and uh, at some point, maybe you got that interest to find out where you're coming from. How did it all start? Uh, it started because I my primary care physician is Nigerian. Uh, mm -hmm. He was for these 20 years. He actually lives in Nigeria now. He helped to open up a state-of-the-art medical facility. But for over 20 years, he was my primary care physician. And he used to come back from Nigeria and tell me about it and things like that. And so I showed interest. And he said, well, let me start inviting you to the Independence Day celebrations. Because as you probably know, October 1st is Nigeria's Independence Day. Mm -hmm. And usually on some Saturdays around the world, you'll see Nigerians having Independence Day celebrations where you will go and you will taste some delicious Nigerian food and you will see second to none fashion. The Nigerian women, as well as the Ghanaian women, mm -hmm. their fashion is second to none. I'll just say African women because, all, I mean, I've looked at the Ethiopian fashion. I mean, just everywhere that I've seen South African Everyone that I've looked at, there's still more that I want to see, but the the African fashion is second to none. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, all the fashion capitals of the world, I think they borrow or steal a lot of their ideas from African fashion. So mm. it's, it's just it was just amazing when I started going to the to going to the uh, Independence Day celebrations, mm -hmm. and so I, my eyes were open, my taste buds were opened. And believe me, they use a lot of pepper, so my nose was opened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've eaten pepper soup from Nigeria. Yes. And yes, I can attest to that. We don't take much pepper in Kenya, where I come from, but I've eaten Nigerian. And now, whoa, yes, you, you, you've got that right. <laughs> and I've since found out it's very good for you. It's good for your circulatory system that all that pepper is actually healthy. And mm -hmm. since I started eating all that pepper, I personally don't have to take blood pressure medication anymore. I just regularly eat pepper. Pepper actually helps to lower my blood pressure. 
Yeah, so we were going through how it all came, uh, the interest and how it was, it got embedded in you and such mm -hmm. that uh, now I think I can't take it out from you. So uh, continue, you started okay. attending the Independence so, yes. Day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. started, in, started attending the Independence Day celebration, just uh, fell in love with uh, Nigerian food, fashion. And um, then after several years of doing that, um, I told my doctor, I said, hey, I want to go to Nigeria with you when you go sometime. Mm. And I, it took a little convincing because he told me, as well as other Nigerians have told me that they have so many people tell them they want to go to Africa. They're mm -hmm. like, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. There's another person telling me, and they said, nobody goes. They said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, that of the ones that I asked, they said, we've had a lot of people ask us mm -hmm. and we get excited, but then they don't go. So I had to convince them a little bit. And why don't they go? Yes. Well, I, you know, well, maybe they see, I think you have to plan for it because, you know, the, the ticket is expensive, you know, and the, the, ho the hotel accommodations, you know, the biggest expenses you're going to have is hotel, hotel accommodations and uh, your, 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 your airfare and transportation. Mm -hmm. Those two are the biggest expenses that you, you're going to have. Mm -hmm. And I recommend people stay at least 14 days. So it does take some planning. And in our case, that's what we did. He said, okay, well, this was in the end of uh, 2012, and he said, well, in November, my, my wife's niece is getting married. You'll be mm -hmm. able to meet the whole family, so let's just plan for November of 2013. So I said, okay, so that actually gave me about a year to save up uh, because I brought my daughter with me. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter was 12 years old when we got to Nigeria, and it was just important for me to have her there uh, mm -hmm. to be able to experience that. But that's how that's how it happened. That's how I actually got to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when I got there, the people almost as soon as we got there, we were at the Abeto Hotel in Abuja downstairs getting some uh, malt because I, I had never had a Vita malt. It's mm -hmm. like these malt drinks that uh, they have very popular in yeah. um, Nigeria and maybe mm -hmm. in other parts of Africa. And uh, so when I, you know, in, from coming from America, I thought malt meant beer. I said, so when I saw the doctor drinking that, I said, I said, is that beer? Because I thought it was a dark beer because it, mm -hmm. it was dark, like a cola. Yeah. He said, no, no, this is, he said, this is a soft drink. He said, mm -hmm. try one. It's really good. So it actually, for those that, that haven't had it, it's kind of like a cream soda on steroids. It's like a dark, stout cream soda. Yeah. That's the best description. It's not nearly as sweet as American sodas. They use much less sugar and things like that in Africa. But uh, it's really good. So anyway, as I was drinking that, the the manager of the of the the lounge said, "Are you Nigerian?" And I said, "I don't know." I said, "You know, um, I'm African American. The slavery thing happened. I'm gonna have to do some DNA to tell mm. exactly." Then he didn't stop there. He said, "You are an Igbo man. I tell you, you are an Igbo." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And so he said, I said, well, how do you know? He said, you look like an Igbo. He said, if you if you did not open your mouth, we I would not know that you were not born and raised here. You mm -hmm. look just like one of us. I said, oh, okay. And so um, then later on in the trip, uh, there were some Yorubas that told me, I believe that they asked me the same thing. You know, if I was Nigerian, I told them the same thing. And But they said, I believe you are Yoruba. You have Yoruba features. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, somebody told me that I was Igbo. They said, no, 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 no. You you are a Yoruba man, so it's like the Ebos didn't recognize the Yoruba, and the Yoruba didn't recognize the Ebo in me. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, you know, when I came home, I did my DNA, 
and found out they were indeed correct. The mm. DNA showed that I am on my father's side, Igbo and Yoruba, mm -hmm. and on my mother's side, I'm Ghanaian Fanti. And so I was just very excited after have, having been exposed to Nigerian culture for several years wow. to now find out that I too am Nigerian. Uh, it was just very exciting. Wow. Very exciting. Wow. That's, that's quite in, uh, exciting. And so mm -hmm. I guess from that experience, I knew finding out that you're coming from there, then your mind, mind shifted from where you are and uh, you went to Africa. Your mind, your whole being became part of Africa. I, I, and that is going back to your sense ancestral land. Well, what happened was, you know, African-Americans have a rich culture. We have a culture that's been carpeted all over the world. Uh, but I liken it to a the full moon. You know how beautiful the full moon is? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, songs have been written about it. We just love to go out there and look at the full moon. But one thing we don't think about is every time we see a full moon, there's another half that is just as big but it's dark. That's it's cool. not seen, it's mm -hmm. not known. It's a great analogy for African-Americans, Afro-Brazilians, Afro-Caribbeans, and all of these other descendants of enslaved, the former mm -hmm. enslaved, mm -hmm. because we have all created rich cultures. Caribbeans, have they created a rich culture? Afro-Brazilians have created a rich culture. Anywhere you go, mm -hmm. they have created a rich culture, even though they don't know their ancestral connection, their root connection, just like, like we did. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the interesting thing is once I found out about my connection and I was connected to that culture, so I'm now adding that to the culture. For example, mm -hmm. like just like you look at what I'm wearing. I'm wearing I'm wearing a Nigerian, um, a Nigerian clothing, Igbo, Nigerian Igbo clothing, but then I have my Western hat, you know, just like <laughs> like the, in the West, they would wear these kind of hats. Yeah. So I like this hat. So that's like a blending of the culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so I even because I like cooking, I've even made things that, you know, that is not, it's not a Nigerian dish, but I, I made it myself. For example, uh, Nigerians have jollof rice, right? Yeah. Uh, but I made jollof coconut soup. And, wow. you know, I have, there's jollof coconut rice that they make in Nigeria. So they know about that. If you say jollof rice, of course, there's a big argument about who has the best jollof rice. Of course, people, mm -hmm. people know, but uh, I made jollof coconut soup. And actually my doctor, he tried it. He said, this is delicious. And I said, and now, so another doctor who was a friend of mine, he said, he said, that's not Nigerian. I said, no, my brother, mm -hmm. it is American Nigerian. I said, you got to step on out the Nigerian box. I'm an American Nigerian. You see, you got, it's a blending, blending of the cultures. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. I actually created an American Nigerian dish. That's a, it's an, it's an American Nigerian fusion. You know, so it's, it's, I call it jollof coconut soup, and it is the best, one of the best soups I've ever eaten. Wow, that's yeah. quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and at this point, let me thank all who are viewing us or listening to us. Thank you, God save David, uh, for that uh, input. Is She says it's a great conversation, and we have other people who could be watching silently, and we know them. <laughs> they know mm -hmm. us. We don't know where you're from, so you better go and find out. <laughs> go and find out where you're coming from. Now, mm -hmm. today we have Richard, who has a long name. Now, tell us how that name came to be. Okay, well, once I learned what my ancestral connections, like the, like the, the full moon, I, the other side, the dark side that was unknown, now it's known. I know that I'm Igbo, that I'm Yoruba, that I'm Fanti. 
So I legally changed my name to reflect the culture and the people in my DNA. Mm -hmm. So Richard, of course, I left that because my name had been Ricky. So I did. I dropped the Y off of that when I got out of um, high school. So anybody that was calling me that, I said, oh, you haven't talked to me in a long time. But anyway, mm -hmm. I left Richard because Rick is kind of short for Richard. So people that know me that way, even my mother, she's like, she just refuses. I said, Mom, call me Ezzy. She said, you're going to be Rick to me, boy. I'm going <laughs> to always call you Rick, okay? Yeah. I don't understand that. But right. anyway, <laughs> uh, and, and she even against her church friends. I'm trying to tell them to call me. She's like, that's Rick, y'all. It's Rick. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to cooperate with me. But anyway, yeah. um, so Richard. And then Kweku is actually uh, Ghanaian Fonti. And mm -hmm. It's the Akan tribes. It's also Ashanti and Aquilpim and another one. I think there's four different ones. Uh, Kweku means born on Wednesday. It's a spirit name. In Ghana, uh, a lot of people in these four tribes named their children, their first name, the day of the week that they were born. Yeah. It's like you've heard of Kwaese and Fume, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Kwaese is, I think, Sunday born. Um, you know, Kwajo is Monday, you know, so mine is Wednesday, Kweku. Mm-hmm. Eziagu is Ibo. It means king of lions. Oh. And Akinyemi is Yoruba, and it means warrior king well suited to power. So if someone says my name, Richard Richard in English actually also means powerful ruler. Mm -hmm. So when someone says Richard, Kweku, Eziagu, Akinyemi, they have said powerful ruler, born on Wednesday, king of lions, powerful um, um, warrior king well suited to power. So that's what they have said. And the Yoruba say, you will live up to your name. That's part of the Yoruba culture. They tell, they name, they name people intentionally. Uh, so do the Igbos and, and so do the Fanti. Hmm. And they say, you will live up to your name. In other wow. words, we gave you this name with intention. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I changed my name legally. And to me, it is part of nullifying the legacy of enslavement. Because the legacy of enslavement, uh, a lot of African-Americans have last names that in many cases were from the plantations that our ancestors were freed from or maybe just names that they chose after they became free. But it's usually, you know, uh, uh, English name. It doesn't have anything to do with the culture that we had been disconnected from because a lot of them didn't know. I mean, there's so many. And, and so when some people look at me and say, why would you change your name? I don't understand that. I said, it's not just for me. It's for mm -hmm. all of my ancestors who wanted to know how they connected and couldn't know. I said, so it's for me and for them. I told mm -hmm. my sister and brother, I said, I didn't just change my name for me. How many of our ancestors would have loved to have known that they were Igbo, Yoruba, and Fanti and would have loved to connect it to the culture? I'm, I've connected to the culture. I know mm -hmm. the fashion. I know the food. The food is really, really good. Yeah, it is rich. I can. I've had this from many people who are not from there, but they've come visited, and not only there, but uh, uh, the most. Uh, I mean, the larger part of Africa. Whoever goes there comes back saying, "Oh, you've got some rich food." Yes, and usually they say, like I said, I didn't have enough because I had ten days in November 2013, but it was too short. It was yeah. too short. I, I yeah. tell people now, at least two weeks, if you can swing it a month and <laughs> you will thank yourself if you just it's better to save up the money 
mm-hmm. and wait a little bit to go and be able to go longer than to just go and you know because some people say i'm gonna be there for seven days and they really kick themselves like oh man and then they try to fit everything in they go here two days and there two days and there two days and then they're back and i'm like no you need to spend <laughs> at least two weeks to a month and spend a minimum of three or four days every place you go don't don't do two days here and you can't really absorb it you know it's like it's kind of like you're skimming you're skimming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know there are many people who are watching and rest and enjoy the culture. Yeah. I know there are many people who are watching us who have not been there and who could be dreaming of it. Start today. Start today. Yes. Today. Yes. And you, and, have, you and, have to come. You have to come. And I recommend people find out what their ancestral connection is. You know, Marcus Garvey, and I'm just uh paraphrasing, but he said of people that don't know their culture and history and past are like a tree without roots. Mm. And it's true because African-Americans just like, just take us for example, we've been called black, Negro, colored. Um, now they're trying to say BIPOC, mm. B-I-P-O-C, black indigenous people of color. They want us to sit in that seat now. Um, all of these different names. Well, why are they calling all these different names? Because Every other American can tell you what country. So we don't we don't just go up to somebody and ask them and they say, well, I'm a European American. No, they say I'm a German American. I'm an Italian American. I'm a Spanish American. Or if they're Asian, they don't say I'm an Asian American. They say mm-hmm. I'm a Japanese American. I'm an Indonesian American. I'm a Chinese American. Right. But we say African American. Well, Africa has 54 countries. Right. Yeah. So we're the only ones that call ourselves by a continent instead of a country and it's not because we don't know it's not you know no fault of our own but the technology exists now so that's why i tell people it is time it is time for us to connect to the culture in our dna we are the i call us the hidden diaspora we are the cousins Mm. and i I, actually as i as i changed my name and legally changed my name the nigerians uh, at my local, I joined the local Nigerian, uh, the Nigerian group, the local Nigerian group, mm-hmm. and they actually uh, inducted me in uh, in October of 2017. They inducted me into the Igbo and the Yoruba tribes with the Igbo chiefs and the Yoruba chiefs, and 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 actually the Igbos actually gave me the title of chief. Wow! And there's a red there's a red cap that goes with this. That anytime you see an Igbo with a red cap, that is the chief. Only the chiefs yeah. wear the red cap. And uh-huh. then they have the O4, which is the, the cane. And I have those things because I was given the title of chief by my the chiefs there in the local Nigerian community. Let so me, let me sit straight. I'm speaking to a chief. <laughs> well, yes, they, they made me a chief. They made me a chief. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so, I, that, go ahead. Go ahead. Just, there's something uh, you wanted to finish. Yeah, go ahead and finish. Uh, all I'm saying is. It has been so life enriching. Mm-hmm. And then I began to do keynote speaking at some of the organizations, uh, different events and things like that. They was invited to be the keynote speaker. So I had to do the research mm-hmm. on the people. And do you know what I learned? You will never guess what I learned. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the most successful group that has ever set foot on US soil and the most educated group, you see 
they would have us believe that the Asians are the most educated people in America, mm -hmm. percentage-wise, by percentage of them that have degrees. It's not okay. true. It's the Africans. Mm. Africans, yes. People could do your research. The Africans are the most, and it was even, what's his name? Uh, the guy, the no spin zone on uh, Fox. I can't remember his name. He's, he, he used to call himself the no spin zone. But he actually, uh, he actually did a show on this, mm -hmm. that the Nigerians get bachelor's degrees at a rate of more than two to one compared to native born white Americans. Mm. They get advanced degrees at a rate of more than three to one compared to native born white Americans. And as far as earning power, they actually are the highest earning group when you talk about just regular Americans of wow. any group of Americans. Mm. And that's, so it's the Nigerians and the other Africans are leading. And then it's the Asians after. Okay. okay. So it's not what they have us believe. All the people that are watching in America right now are probably saying, yep, they, they make us think the Asians. It's not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the government knows it. They know it. And they, yeah. they know because when, when they talk to them, they say, we know that you're. And so um, O'Reilly, that's what his name, the guy on Fox, his name was Bill O'Reilly. The no spin zone. He actually did a show on this and mm -hmm. talked about how uh, the Nigerians. And so to me, this is a great lesson because we have the same, the African-Americans, a lot of us have the same DNA as the Nigerians. Mm. So we don't have degrees at the same rate. That's no disparagement against us. That just shows you the difference between being raised up in an environment of where you have to deal with racism versus an environment where you're nurtured and given, uh, given confidence from the time you're young. My mm. mother told me and my other brothers and sisters when we were probably six, five or six years old, I remember my mother sat us down at, our, at that age where she thought we could understand. Mm -hmm. And all wise African-American parents do this. And the African-Americans that are listening to you will probably say, yep, my mother told me too. Mm -hmm. or my father told me. And this is what they tell us. You're black and you're beautiful. But in this country, you got two strikes against you. Like in the game of baseball, you only got three strikes and you're out. <laughs> so your parents say you already got two strikes just because you were born black in America. You got two strikes against you. People are not going to like you just because of the color of your skin. Well, not that you did anything to them. They don't even wait to check who you are. They're just not going to like you because of the color of your skin. So you have to know that. And indeed, as she told me, I was six years old when I had my first experience with racism in the United States. The music teacher, all the kids were running in from the class, from one class, you know, you go to the music class down the hall. And uh, so I had to put something in my desk. So I was the last one in, so I was running. I talk about this in the book running. And then the teacher who tried to look like uh, Elvis Presley with his hair slicked back, mm -hmm. he actually tripped me. His name was Mr. Burke. Whoa. i never forget Mr. Burke. And then I looked up at him, the little six-year-old, because this is first grade, you know, six, six mm -hmm. years old, I think, first grade. I said, you tripped me. And he said, you should have been running. I said, everybody was running. And then he just looked like, and I said, I'm going to tell my daddy. And I did. And my mother told me later that my daddy got in there and had a come to come to the Lord meeting with him. Mm. And after that, come to the Lord meeting, and he saw that he wasn't gonna just deal with little me when he messes up. I ain't have no more problems out of the brave yes. Mr. Burke. Oh, he <laughs> yes. was brave, tripping a six-year-old child. But that was my first experience with racism. Wow. Now you must have touched on this, but then uh, based on your deep conviction of this topic and uh, your experience up to now 
why is it important that I should trace my background, that my roots, where I ca I'm coming from? Why is it so important to say to many people and especially specifically to the African-Americans? I think it's extremely important because as, as I told you, there was a great sense of pride in me when I did the research and found out that I am from a people, I have mm. the same DNA as a people who are the most successful that have ever set foot on American soil, mm -hmm. are none. The Nigerians are the most successful group that has ever set foot on American soil. Wow. And that's a fact. You can, people, please go do your research. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a fact. And that was a great sense of pride, especially when I grew up, you know, and my mother had to tell me that, you know, you, you got to be twice as good to be considered equal and people are not going to like you just because you're black and things like that. You mm. know, and so it is it, I cannot describe to you how that felt, how it felt to be in Africa where where everybody looked like. No, not everybody, but a lot. The, the vast majority of the people look like me. All mm. the police look like me, you know. I'm not scared to go to a policeman and think that I can have yeah. my hands on the wheel and get shot like so yeah. many people have done, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so when we went to the the country club, when we in that trip in 2013, we went to the Lagos Country Club because they wanted to uh, tell us, they said that they had the best suya. They had mm -hmm. some of the best suya in. And suya, for those that don't know, it's uh, thin strips of beef that they put rub a suya spice on there and they uh, grill it over open flame. It is <laughs> one of my favorite things in Nigeria is suya, okay? So anyway, we went there for some suya, and then they serve it with cayenne pepper and raw onions because I learned when I was there that when you, when you, when you get something real hot, you shouldn't drink water. You eat raw onions because it will actually cut the heat down. It literally cuts the heat down. Yeah, I was, I was shocked. So now I just dip it in the cayenne because it's real hot. And I'm like, oh, it's so hot, it's so hot. Then I just get some onions. And it calms it down. But at any rate, when we came around the corner, yeah. Yeah. I had to stop everybody. There's like 10 people in our group. I said, hey, hey, everybody, hold, wait, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. We've got to take this in. We've got to take. I looked from left to right, up, down, pool, lounge, uh, tables. Every place I looked, everybody was black. Everybody, everybody was melanated. And I had never seen that in a country club. I said, yeah. we're not going to see this nowhere in America. At least I don't know anywhere in America that, because usually when I've been to country clubs in America, you know, mm. one or two melanated people are playing, but most of the melanated people are in the kitchen or on the grounds. Okay. <laughs> and that's what you're used to seeing in America. But yeah. I'm like, we had a country club. Now the facility was nothing to speak of because it was there from the colonial days. So it was not, you know, anything to speak of. But the fact that we're at a country club mm. and we see everything that I'm looking at is melanated. Then the money, there are melanated people on the money. Yes, that's true. <laughs> there are melanated people on the money. We have right. never seen melanated people on the money. So right. I, would bring, I would bring Naira back with me. Yeah. And I would show when I went to stores or when I went to hotels to check in. And I, I would just tell people, I'd say, hey, I said, I said, have you seen Nigerian Naira? And then you stretch it before. And I show it to them, they yeah. take pictures. They say, I'm going to share this with my children. They're going to put it on Facebook because they're like, what? That's us. Yeah, I'm telling you. But see, people from Africa like you, you know, you know of course, they're, you know, this is every day. This is from the yeah. time we're born. But I, now, I, I, imagine I, growing up in a place where you've never seen a black person on money. You've never seen a melanated person on money. 
And then you see this. So I, I get it. And some may not get it. Some may not get it. Now we are getting it from you, who is coming with that perspective that you've grown, you've grown in a place where everything was, I mean, you had some limitations that you are now looking back and saying, oh, I, I missed quite a lot. Right. And, and I'm not saying you can't be successful in America, but this is the analogy that I use. Mm. Uh, because you're melanated, it's like you can be successful, but somebody else is on a flat track and you on a 45 degree hill. Okay. So you, you can do it, but you just got to work a lot harder than somebody that's on a flat track, right? Mm -hmm. They're going like this on the flat track and you, you, you can be successful, but you got to go up the hill, right? And more effort. You got to sweat. Yes, you got to put a whole lot more effort. It's and possible. Oh, yeah, we get it. Now, at some point you talked about the book. Can you maybe tell us about the book as it got? Uh, yeah, tell us. Yes. Uh, okay. The book is called Found My People. Mm -hmm. Found My People. And the website is simply foundmypeople.com. And what you're seeing on this cover, there is such rich cultural significance <clears throat> on this cover that I actually have for those people that buy it and, and come on to the uh, login and let me know and contact us, I'll send them the fact sheet to unlock the mystery of the culture in the cover. Mm -hmm. These are ancient Adinkra symbols that you're seeing. There's 10 ancient Adinkra symbols. Each one was chosen because of what they mean. So the, the bird across the top and the bottom is the Sankofa, which many people know means it is no shame in going back to get that which is at risk of being lost. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did when I reconnected to my culture, because if I never connected to it, it's a, it was at risk, serious risk of being lost. Mm -hmm. But I connected it and I connected my family. And then the three across the top of uh, over found my people actually means the supremacy of God, because what many people also don't know is the Africans knew God long before there was ever a missionary in Africa. Mm -hmm. These are ancient Adinkra mm -hmm. symbols. These symbols were long before there was ever a missionary in Africa. For those people that think, oh, you know, you wouldn't know the Lord if we had. No, it's not true. They mm -hmm. knew the Lord because, and even if we look at the Bible, it says God has placed it into the heart of every man mm -hmm. that there is a God, right? So they knew. So these are all um, ancient Adinkra symbols. And so the book is really about the power of connecting to your culture, how mm -hmm. it enriched my life and how I can do so for others. Because I even, the last chapter, I even go into when I wanted to change my name, what did I have to do? What all the process that I had to do to change my name? I even go into the th different things that I had to change afterwards and the cost of those, which of course could be different for people, but it just gives them an idea. Um, so it's not just a story about me. Uh, to me, it's like the next step after Roots, because Roots was a wonderful story of Alex mm -hmm. Haley and his family and mm -hmm. how they, through against all odds, maintained their African traditions in a hostile environment over mm -hmm. generations. I mean, it's just a fantastic story. The only thing it didn't do is tell me how to connect to mine and somebody else how to connect to theirs. So this book is not only telling about how I connected and how it has so enriched my life, the, my life before knowing and this after is just totally different, okay? Uh, but it also is a guide for those who want to do the same thing because I believe there's a transformational day. There's a life transformation waiting for anyone that 
takes the time and effort to find out and connect to their ancestral roots. I believe there's a richness and a, and a transformation that's going to happen in their lives. And I'm just so excited for those that undertake the journey. So even in the book, I say, are you ready for the journey? I think that's one of the last things I say is, are you ready for the journey? Are you ready for the journey? Are you ready oh, wow. for the journey? Because it's a journey to it's go from journey. not knowing. It's a journey to go from the from the full moon to the dark side of the moon and light that up. We're lighting it up. We're not going into the dark side anymore. Now it's lit up. I don't have a dark side. My whole moon is lit now. Is the whole, yes. That's good. It's lit. So let's go on a journey. Let's rush to farmmypeople.com and connect uh, with Richard and get the book and uh, find out more. Now, you I must say one thing that you're a great storyteller, Richard. Thank you, sir. You, you've kept us engaged and uh, we followed all that you've told us at now tell us today and we thank you for coming to this show thank you yeah we are almost coming to the end but before we go we'd like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember which are they if we forget everything that we said in the show what should we what must we remember okay uh the foundation of this book is the poem that god gave me when i first went in november 2013 there's a place called Badagri. For those, anybody that finds out you have Nigerian DNA, mm. your ancestor and my ancestor, the last place they their foot touched on the continent of Africa was Badagri. That's where they got shipped out from. It's, it's a suburb of Lagos, which is the largest city in Nigeria and the largest city in Africa. Mm -hmm. It's a suburb of Lagos. It's called Badagri. But when I was there, I had a visceral experience. It was beyond... Um, Cerebral, it was beyond emotional. I believe it was spiritual. And God gave me, and I talk about this in the first chapter of the book. He gave me this poem. And this poem is the foundation of the book. It's called It's in Your DNA. And actually, when they open up the, the if they go to if they go to the my the foundmypeople.com and click on the USA global button, uh, then it'll take them to Amazon and go to the Kindle version and you get a two-chapter preview. So you'll see the first thing that you see in the book is it says inspirational poem, and that's this poem. And it goes like this. It does not matter what they say. There is greatness in your DNA. The proof is in the lies they choose to tell to make themselves feel superior. They point to chaos in different places, but hide what their hands did to bring it about. There is greatness in us but they don't want it out. I think they know they could not compete if the field were level and they couldn't cheat. So on they go lives filled with lies to make pretend and rationalize. They say all is equal. Why do you complain? Pretending that their constant lies have not changed the game and made people perceive just by your skin who should lose and who should win. There are some things you have to know. Don't wait for someone to tell you so. Reject the lies of yesterday. Embrace the greatness in your DNA. Wow. <laughs> wow, what a poem, what a poem. And yeah. yeah. I actually turned it into an animated, it's on a, the Embrace Your DNA Greatness channel. 
Embrace Your DNA Greatness YouTube channel. So if they go to, if they put in Embrace Your DNA Greatness channel, it'll come up and then they'll see the uh, Embrace Your DNA logo and then they can click on that poem. And there's another video that talks about our DNA test accurate. There's only two videos, uh, but that's those two. The one is the poem and it's like less, it's like less than a minute and a half to mm. listen to. Wow, wow, wow. Richard, we've had quite a great time with you here. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Thank you so much. And for ending it on a high note with a wonderful poem. You are quite welcome and thank you for inviting me. Yes, uh, we appreciate you coming. So this is the end of today's episode. This has been Now Tell Us. I have been your host, Anthony Moirore, and together with our guest today, Richard Kweku Azeagu Akinyami, we are saying, embrace your greatness. And uh, yeah. That's right. Reject the lives of yesterday. Embrace the greatness in your DNA. Embrace the greatness in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Bye for now. Until next time, it's bye, -bye. bye for now. Bye. bye, -bye.